Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Ah, springtime. Each year, spring marks the renewal of life with flowers blossoming in warmer weather. It also marks the beginning of wedding season, a traditionally six-month-long period when everyone and your brother decides to get married. In your 20s and 30s, wedding season can be overwhelming. There are wedding invites, shower gifts, and bachelor-bachelorette parties demanding your time and money every other weekend. According to a report conducted by The Wedding Report, there were an estimated 2.5 million weddings that took place in 2022. And according to the website Bankrate, nearly 38% of millennials and 37% of Gen Zers in the U.S. plan on attending or have already attended one wedding this year. And 23% of Gen Zers and 22% of millennials plan on attending multiple weddings this year. That's a lot of cake and flowers. Weddings are one of the oldest social traditions in which so many of us still participate. And because people have been getting married and hosting weddings for hundreds and thousands of years, they can be fraught with unsaid conventions and rules and expectations. And while many of those codes and standards have evolved or altogether disappeared, others have popped up in their place. So with all these rules around weddings, as a guest, how do you know what's acceptable and what's not? I mean, how do you know if you have a plus one? And will somebody please explain to me what black tie optional really means? Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm a podcast producer and mediocre millennial just trying the best she can to figure out how to be a more responsible adult and better human one day at a time. Along with my colleague, Matt. Welcome back, friends. We're going to learn about all the things we wish were in a guidebook about how to be an actual adult. So start taking notes because this is Grown Up Stuff. So Matt, today we're digging into wedding guest etiquette. And I'm truly excited to talk about this topic because, as I mentioned earlier, there are so many expectations for not only the couple who's getting married and their wedding party, 
but there are equally as many expectations for their guests and how they should be conducting themselves. And I have been operating under the same rules that my older siblings and parents have told me because I was clueless when I got my first wedding invite. But then there are others I have just absolutely no idea about. Now, Matt, you're a married man. Yes. And you had a beautiful, small, intimate wedding. I did. But I'm wondering if you remember your very first wedding that you were ever invited to. Oh, I was a child. <laughs> I was a legitimate child. <laughs> uh, and I didn't know anything. And I was just following my parents around. But, you know, for the longest time, I had no money. And I would go to the weddings that I felt like I could go to. And I would show up and be like, surprise, I'm your gift. So, uh, it, and I, wait, you wouldn't get them anything. You were invited to the wedding, right, Matt? I was, no, I was invited to the wedding. I guess I just kind of felt like what I can afford is me being here and you'd rather like see me than get a gift. Right. (laughs) So yeah, but thank God that I got married because I've been to so many weddings now with my wife and she's like, we're getting them a gift. You psycho. So it's a lot better now. Uh, I've learned a lot from her, but I am very excited to learn a bit more about the proper wedding guest etiquette so I can really look back on my past and see how terrible I've been. Oh, I'm sure that there are going to be so many things that I have just royally screwed up on. I also think that RSVP cards are super confusing. There needs to be a more clear RSVP card situation. Yeah, Maybe multiple choice. This shouldn't be a fill-in-the-blank situation. <laughs> multiple choice. It should be like, or they should like, if you don't have a plus one, just like cross out the like how many guests are coming because you already know it's just going to be me. Or get specific with Mark. You're not bringing Jenny. We No one likes her, okay? <laughs> She's specifically <laughs> not coming. <laughs> like get specific with it is yeah. all I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we'll get it all figured out. Let's get to it. Since we're discussing the etiquette of being a wedding guest on this episode, we thought there's no one better to discuss etiquette with us than Lizzie Post. My name is Lizzie Post, and I'm a co-president at the Emily Post Institute and a co-author of Emily Post's Etiquette, the Centennial Edition. But Lizzie also has a familial connection to the OG queen of etiquette. Emily was my great-great-grandmother. Listen, I know what you're thinking. Sure, we know Emily Post had a ton of etiquette rules, but does that actually apply to today's modern weddings and standards? And the answer is yes. At the core, Emily's methodology is based on three major tenets, consideration, respect, and honesty. So let's start from the very beginning. We receive the wedding invitations. I think the biggest thing here is, depending on what age you are, you could be getting a lot of wedding invitations. That's true. Yep. And I think the first question is, how do you decide which ones you actually should be going to and which ones you can decline? There's going to be the ones that you really want to go to. Maybe it's your best friend or a cousin that you grew up with, someone like that. You know, the people that you're really close to. And then this is true, especially as you get older, you start ending up on wedding lists where maybe it's a more distant connection, a business relationship or something like that. But um, I think that it's worthwhile taking a look at each invitation that you get and really assessing, A, do I want to go? B, does it work timing-wise? And then C, can I afford to go? So I kind of put it through that filter because I do think socially, we get to determine whether we want to attend things or not. 
So I want to also talk about the importance of RSVPing in a timely manner because those RSVPs always have a due date, if you will. So for the person who is notoriously late with their RSVPs, (laughs) I admittedly sometimes forget about the RSVP, um, and that's (laughs) awful, but shed a little bit of light for us on like what kind of wrench are we throwing into the plans of the happy couple when we do not RSVP in a timely manner? So... I do not want you to feel shamed by this at all. The (laughs) RSVP is critical. It is such a point of politeness towards a host. It lets the host know if you're coming. RSVPing is simply responding. And it's important that we actually respond. Someone has invited you to a large, formal, significant event. Someone is actually inviting you to something very generous where a lot of attention, planning, detail, and in some cases expense is going to go into it for your benefit. The least you could do is tell them if you're going to show up. I mean, this is like small (laughs) potatoes here, folks. Whether you receive a digital RSVP, so a link to go to a wedding website, or whether you get a reply card in with a hand-mailed invitation, doesn't matter you still have to RSVP. (laughs) And in fact, if you haven't RSVP'd, I would consider not showing up because it effectively says I'm not coming. You don't want to leave your host in the position to assume that you're not coming just because you haven't responded at all. You're also forcing the host to now put you on a follow-up list if they are going to follow up on RSVPs and actually take the time to track you down and get an answer from this very nice invitation that you've issued them. So all of those reasons are why I kind of, like, your host needs a headcount. They need to know who's coming so that they know who can plan. Make it easy on them. Um, Weddings, we typically have a decent amount of time to RSVP by, and I suggest that all wedding hosts make sure that they include an RSVP by date because, in general, you're going to have a couple of months to figure this out. So you're going to have some time. Pay attention to that date. Pop it right into your calendar. Make sure that you put then a reminder a couple weeks ahead of time to sort out things like, If your spouse and kids have been invited too, are they coming? Or is your spouse going to stay home with the kids? You got to figure these things out. And in your reply, you need to be able to communicate. What you really want to watch out for in that particular moment is who is truly being invited. You don't want to send a reply that says, my kids are coming when your kids have not been invited. (laughs) Noted. So don't be a dick and make the couple's life more hectic while they're already planning a giant party and the rest of their lives together. Those RSVPs are important. So let's all now make a vow together to make sure we send those RSVPs in before their deadline. When Lizzie mentioned figuring out who is actually included on the invitation, it got me thinking about plus ones. I've always felt like there was some secret code in determining whether or not you had a plus one to a wedding. And I remember vividly the first time I was given a plus one and thinking, this is how I was supposed to figure out I get a plus one? I had to ask Lizzie about understanding the plus one coding on an invitation and whether or not it's ever okay to ask your hosts for a plus one if you aren't originally given one. Typically, folks who are independent will receive an invitation just with their name on it. And then on an inner envelope, it'll say, and guest. And that is how you know you have a plus one. 
You do not have a plus one if it is not indicated anywhere on the invitation. It is perfectly common to be invited to weddings without plus ones. There is often a good chance there will be people you know and sometimes even people for you to meet. And so it's really important that people know that you don't automatically get a plus one if you're single. Yes, because all of the RSVP cards are often the same, where it has a little slot of like how many guests attending. Like you said, if you're a part of a couple and both of you have been invited and you have to say one of us is coming and the other one's staying home with the kids, kind of that situation. Yeah. Or if you've been given a plus one so that they know if you are bringing your plus one or not. I will say, though, this is the place to write in any dietary restrictions or allergies. Just make a little note that says, I just want to let you know if it's helpful. I am allergic to peanuts and it's a cross-contamination allergy or I'm allergic to gluten and it is a cross-contamination allergy, that kind of thing. I think that at an event this big, you don't have to like offer to bring your own dish. But I would expect the host, if there was going to be an issue in terms of like cross-contamination allergies, to talk with the caterer and talk with you about that so that y'all can figure out a safe option for you. And just as someone, if you've got those cross-contamination allergies, you're probably pretty used to having to negotiate things so that you don't get sick when you go to something. Is there an appropriate way ever to ask for a plus one if you're in that situation? Not really. Asking to bring an extra guest isn't typically something you want to put yourself in the position of doing or put the host in the position of doing. It's one thing if long-term partner, well-established couple, and the person was left off the invitation, it'd be like, uh, I just want to check uh, my spouse. They are invited, right? Honestly, the real answer here, in my opinion, is don't take it personally and recognize that timing is what's going on here. I don't think any couple is obligated to invite a partner who's only been in the picture for a few weeks or a month or maybe even a few months. We talk about it being that the people who you're obligated to invite are long-term established partners. So don't have to be married. And in some cases, don't even have to be living together, which is really one of the bigger, bigger things that gets both names on the same envelope, obviously, because it goes to the same house then. But yeah, you can't take it personally if your relationship is new. There's no way for that couple to have been able to predict whether this person was going to be the love of your life that you're going to marry and be with for the rest of eternity or whether they were going to be the jerk you're crying about three days later. You know what I mean? It's it's like that. Right. And so just a little reality check on our own lives. It's exciting to think about going to a wedding with a new partner. It can definitely give you all the feels, but that's not what the day is about. The day is about the couple who's getting married. When we're talking about wedding invites, there are other invitations once you've been invited to the wedding that might also come along. Mm -hmm. But if you're invited to the wedding, should you assume you've been invited to the bridal shower or the shower or the bachelor bachelorette party? No. If you've been invited to the wedding, you've been invited to the wedding. That doesn't include the rehearsal dinner or any of the other parties, just the wedding. <laughs> when typically it includes the ceremony and the reception, although there are some Houses of worship that don't allow non-worshippers. And so there are some circumstances where you might be invited to one but not the other. That's really good to know. Invitations tell us more than just what we're eating and who we're bringing or not bringing. They can also indicate what kind of attire is expected for this shindig. Is it cocktail? Is it dressy casual? Maybe it's formal. Or perhaps it's black tie. I asked Lizzie to unpack some of the most common dress codes for weddings and to help us understand what is most appropriate for us to wear. Plus, I was dying to get her thoughts on what I think is a very important wedding attire faux pas. 
So this came up recently at a friend's wedding, and I really want to know your thoughts on this. Is it ever appropriate to wear an all-white outfit to a wedding if you are not in the wedding party? So it can be appropriate if you've been instructed to. If it hasn't been an instruction, I would not do it. I personally wouldn't even do it with a white suit these days. That, I think, 20 years ago would have been much more appropriate. But I don't think that would be appropriate today. White is such a wedding color. I don't think I would risk the faux pas in order to wear an outfit. I would pick something else that looks just as great on me. Yeah, I recently went to a... It was the dress was casual and somebody showed up in a completely white like I'm not talking white pattern with a pattern on it I'm talking just straight up white linen dress <gasps> not even a suit a dress a dress and they were not in the wedding party or anything so I am with you that that would have shocked me yeah so I wouldn't recommend it is how I would say it. Um, I would wait (laughs) until I know for certain. And personally, I wouldn't even do the thing where I would just wear a casual, very obviously not wedding dress, white dress to a wedding. I just I think it's better to just let that be where it is and shine that light in the direction it is on the couple, you know? Yeah. So unless you were invited to Beyonce and Jay-Z's wedding, where the couple specifically asked their guests to come dressed in white, just don't do it. But there are a lot of different types of dress codes. And like Beyonce, people are constantly inventing new dress codes or attire requirements for their weddings. Tell me about it. I've been invited to three weddings that have all had California Coastal as the dress attire. And like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Oh, California Coastal. That is a good one. But for the sake of brevity, let's just stick to some of the most common ones for now, starting with what are we supposed to wear for a black tie wedding? So for black tie, we're either in black or a midnight navy tuxedo jacket and trousers. You're either going to have a wing or a regular collar white formal shirt. It might be fly or it might be a stud front. There's also like a pleated and bibbed front. This is where you're going to pull out your classic black bow tie. You will have braces or you could wear suspenders. Uh, you might have a vest. If you wear a vest, you do not also wear a cummerbund. You don't wear everything with this attire. Sometimes it's like some things go with other things and you would not wear the vest and cummerbund together. Cufflinks are studs, a cummerbund if you're not wearing the vest. And the cummerbund should really be matching your bow tie. This is where if you choose to wear a tux, you can have a lot of fun. It's also where if you get the designation creative black tie, this would be a place to play is your cummerbund and your bow tie combos. If we're not going for the tux, then we're going to be in a floor length gown. Material should really reflect the occasion. So not a jersey knit, but something that's going to be a little more luxurious. So we're talking silk, satins, velvets. Yes, absolutely. You want this to be special and noticeable, like not so much that you're going to take attention away from the couple and especially not a bride if a bride is involved in the wedding. But it's important that this dress be formal looking. It doesn't look like a beach summer maxi dress. It looks like a gown. It looks like some of the stuff you might watch on that Oscar night. You know what I mean? Like or some of the simple stuff from the Oscar night. Yeah, This is Met Gala Oscars. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking black tie. Also, you mentioned black tie creative or also known as, I think you guys reference it as festive too, right? Can be, yeah. Festive, I think, can sometimes be a harder word. I think sometimes it can unfortunately lead people to head down, I think, harmful stereotype roads. And so you want to be really careful with festive. 
especially that you're not sort of, you know, dipping into the cultural appropriation side of it. But Mm -hmm. festive is often the other word we see used in getting people to kind of go creative with their black tie. And so that's why it ends up there. But and for those two, you could wear anything in the black tie category and then play into the theme. Got it. Okay, so when we see festive, we should assume like black tie creative, like black tie level of formality, but have fun with it. Play within the color and and design. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So this is the trickiest one, I think, that people see a lot. Okay. Black tie optional. Ah, yes. So if someone says black tie optional and you're feeling like dressing up, you go for it. Just know you might be the only person dressed that way. But um, I say if it's put on there and you want to lean in, lean in. There's nothing wrong with it. If you don't feel like going black tie, then in that case, I would go with a very fancy version of your semi-formal. So I'm not, again, wearing a jersey knit version of a black cocktail dress with like a splashy colored scarf. I'm wearing the silk or the satin um, version of it that's going to be fancy and lovely and cut well, not like a sundress. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That brings up an interesting point. And I, I want to compare formal versus what we've talked about versus semi-formal. So when we just see formal, what does that mean? And how do we compare it to what we've just talked about with black tie? And how does it differ from semi-formal? Okay. So when we're talking formal, we are talking that entire category of floor length, luxe material extras, you know? So it's not just a a suit. It's, you know, a suit specifically tailored in a certain way with a specific type of bow tie and options for jewelry. You know what I mean? Like by jewelry, we mean like studs and studs and cups (laughs) and stuff. Cup links, all that good stuff. Semi-formal in that same category is likely going to be a suit. It could be a suit maybe without a tie. The Formal side of semi-formal goes together, matches, is more of an outfit. The casual side of semi-formal is the sport coat with the corduroy pants. The casual side of semi-formal is still going to look pretty formal, but it might not be quite as put together as the formal side of semi-formal. Right. That makes so much sense. And then do you think cocktail attire fits into semi-formal? Yes, absolutely. I really do. Like if I'm wearing a dress, I'm thinking anything knee length or lower. So let's quickly transition to dressy casual. So are we still wearing that sport coat or are we wearing slacks without sport coat? And is dressy casual give us an invite for jeans? I think dressy casual, I'm wearing a sport coat or I'm wearing a very nice sweater with my button down shirt and tie, you know? So it's like if I remove the dress coat, I'm doing the most dressy version of the things without it. So I'm adding the tie. I've got it buttoned, you know, the shirt buttoned up all the way. And I have a very nice, like we're talking quality material, not pilled up sweater that I might be wearing. But that's even pushing it a little bit. I like to say in this dressy casual category that we're trying to get a jacket on us. That's good to know. What about jeans? Do jeans start to sneak in at this level? They absolutely do. Dressy casual, definitely. You can wear a very nice We're not talking rips and tears or stained jeans. We're talking crisp, clean-looking jeans. They fit you like a glove. These have to look sharp. They got to look really, really sharp. These have to be your nicest, cleanest jeans that fit you just absolutely flawlessly. Excellent. Grown-up stuff, how to adults. We'll be back after a quick break. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Welcome back to Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult. The wedding is an age-old tradition that dates back to more than 4,000 years ago. And gifts seem to have been a part of this process for nearly as long. From dowries and Renaissance marriage chests to the first wedding registry, gift-giving for weddings has evolved a lot over the centuries. But the purpose is generally the same to give the newlywed couple something that will help them make a home together. So even if your attendance is optional, sending a gift is not. However, that doesn't mean you're not without some agency in what you give. If you decide not to attend, there's often an obligation, a traditional obligation, that you still send a gift that can be something small. We're wondering if in the future that traditional rule will become more of uh, just send a card if you're not going to attend for the reason that you started this with. When you get all those wedding invitations, you might be receiving so many at w- in certain years that you're not able to attend all of them. 
It used to be that people really invited people to weddings who were like within their immediate circle in their town that they lived in. Every wedding now is basically a destination wedding for some of the guests. And I think that was a lot less true back in Emily's day. If people didn't live nearby or they weren't within your innermost family circle, they weren't invited. You know, there was too far to obligate someone to do that, to suggest to them that I would make them come this far just to see me get married. When it comes to saying no, there has been this tradition that this invitation has been so big even if it's to a casual wedding, that the moment is so sentimental that you should honor the invitation by sending a gift. Just the fact that this person wanted to invite you to this moment is enough for you to send them a gift to say thank you with that and also congratulations. How much should you be spending on a wedding gift? How do you determine the budget for that wedding gift? So you determine that budget based on what you have extra to spend in your own budget or what you're willing to save to be able to spend money on a wedding gift for this person. I'm not going to tell someone you can't do that or you have to meet this much of a like you have to have a $50 minimum on a gift. That is not an etiquette rule. It's also not an etiquette rule that you have to get someone something in the price range that they got you for your wedding. First of all, not everybody gets married. Right. The other thing I've heard is the pay for your plate kind of rule. You kind of guesstimate what they paid for your plate at the wedding. From an Emily Post standpoint, that's not an etiquette rule. We do never advise that you try to pay for your plate. You don't know how much that plate cost, and you shouldn't be asking your host how much they spent. A Canadian tradition is that you actually let guests know what the per plate cost is and they chip in on it. And that's like a thing that they've set up as a standard and a norm. And so that was like a whole new perspective on that for me. So we won't say it's bad idea, but it doesn't always equate for people. And from an American perspective, we don't typically try to find out that information in order to go about like paying for a plate in order to use that method as a method for figuring out how much your gift should be. But I think that it's really important that people stick within their budget. You should never feel pressured. And it's why we tell couples that when they register for gifts, which is very common, it is not rude. This invitation comes with the obligation of a gift. And that is why registering is okay. And the reason it comes with that obligation is because it was supposed to be the most like significant event of your life. And even though there are plenty of people who have been married and divorced multiple times in their life, the idea going in is it's a one-time thing, you know? And so it is really special. And it is a moment that we tend to honor with and people want to honor with a gift. And so that's how that combination of wedding gift obligation and okay to create a registry for it came together. And with those registries, you do not have to buy anything off a registry. And we tell couples they should really make sure their registry has a very wide range of items, including things like below $5, where people can, if they're lucky enough, they can pair up multiple $5 things. But you want to make everyone feel included. You don't want to make them feel like, oh, the only thing they can get you is a dish towel. Um, By the way, a set of lovely dish towels would be a lovely wedding gift. Like, let us not think that wedding gifts have to be crystal and silver and cappuccino makers. Like, they just don't. They can be very sweet, very simple things. A small collection of your favorite recipes would be an amazing wedding gift. Oh, I love that idea. Right? Isn't that a great That's a lovely idea. I love that one. 
So when it comes to gifts, stick within your budget. You can go off registry if you want to, and you can also use the registry to inspire you to get a sense of their taste and the things they're interested in. I had a friend who registered for like a leg of prosciutto and a meat slicer. I love that. Figured out she loved prosciutto that much. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like. <laughs> That's amazing. Also seen registries where I signed on and I was like, I'm priced out of this thing. The lowest thing on their item is 75 bucks and my budget is 50. I can't yeah. do this. So what did you do in that situation? I went off the registry and I just got them something that I felt was appropriate for a wedding. The other one that I think always works really well is some kind of an engravable picture frame. You know, use their lifestyle to think about whether wood, glass, crystal, silver, gold (laughs) would be. um, You can get a platinum frame if you want, but uh, you go all the way. Um, (laughs) But an engravable one that has their wedding date engraved on it is one that I have never failed with that wedding gift. People say they are so glad to have it. So anyway, go off registry if you need to go off registry. There's nothing wrong in doing so. Speaking of wedding registries, nowadays we can shop from a registry online and have it shipped directly to the couple getting married. Do you recommend we always do that over bringing it with us or should we always show up to that wedding with a gift? Double check with the couple before you choose to bring it to the wedding and ask them if that really would be the easiest way. They might say, you know what, sending it to our house will help us not lose it between the reception and the house, you know, Mm. Um, especially if we're talking about a destination wedding. So check in with the couple and see where they would like things sent. Okay, so we've talked about the wedding gift, but let's say we are invited to the shower and or the bachelor bachelorette parties too. Really quickly, can you tell us what the expectations are for gifts around those events? Gifts for shower is if you're invited to the shower, this is a party specifically about gifts. They will send you the registry information and you should get a gift you feel confident in getting. It is not a replacement for your wedding gift. It is a shower gift. It's specific to the shower, but It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to break the bank. But if there is a theme, it should fit the theme of the shower. There are no gifts for bachelor, bachelorette parties. Before we let you go, I want your final take on one more piece of wedding guest etiquette. And that is, is it ever okay to swap seats at the wedding for a more favorable table? Or let's say you don't know anyone at your table. Don't switch. Let this be something someone else decided. Again, it's not... This party is about you being there to witness what they're up to. It's not necessarily for you to be there to have, like, the perfect, most stimulating evening ever. The concept of what a wedding is and looks like has changed a lot since 2350 BC. And so has what it means to be a wedding guest. And these expectations of wedding guests will continue to evolve. And Emily Post knew this, and that's why she so frequently looked to younger generations to inform her how the rules of etiquette were shifting. But no matter how much things change and what wedding etiquette may look like in 5, 10, or even 20 years from now, ultimately, it's always going to be about kindness and respect. Emily Post based her etiquette on consideration, respect, and honesty. The idea that kindness mattered, that thinking about other people mattered. And she was very clear on this. It does not matter how much money you have. It does not matter what kind of manners you've been taught. That it doesn't matter... If you're using your fork the right way, if the things you're saying are cruel, if they're disrespectful, if they're unkind. And I I love that about her. But she also made a point to always turn to the youth to say, you guys are going to be the deciders of what behavior is acceptable and not acceptable. And you are the ones who will effectively dictate what the etiquette I, Emily Post, write about will be. 
Etiquette is not some rigid code of rules. It's simply how our behavior affects one another. That's actually almost word for word in Emily Post quote. And in the back of the book, what we have is a section where we ask you to weigh in on things like, is this idea of obligating people to send a wedding gift to a wedding they don't attend antiquated? Is it something we want to move away from? I think is exciting to think about what future etiquette is going to look like. A huge thank you to Lizzie Post for joining us today. I've learned so much, but here are some of the major takeaways, starting with RSVP cards are important. Don't be that person the soon-to-be-married couple has to track down for a response. Check the envelopes to indicate who is included in the invitation. If it doesn't say and guess on your envelope, you don't get a plus one. Don't ask the couple for a plus one if you didn't get it. Never wear all white to a wedding, unless the couple states it on the invitation. Even if you're not attending the wedding, you have to send a gift. And finally, being invited to a wedding doesn't mean you have to break the bank. If you can't afford to go to a wedding, don't go into debt to make it happen. And if everything on the registry is out of your budget, use that registry as a guide to understand the couple's tastes and find something in your price range that's off registry that still fits their style. That's all for today's episode. Be sure to join us again in two weeks as we continue this journey to being more responsible adults and healthier humans. Matt, what's next on this tour of adulthood? Our next stop is the basics of making and maintaining a cleaner home. It sounds simple, but there is a lot to get right about this one. And wrong. I've lived with a lot of roommates, Matt, and let me tell you, there are definitely some who are getting this wrong. Ugh, so true. We'll get to it all next time on Grown Up Stuff. This is a production from iHeartRadio. Our executive producers are Molly Sosha and Matt Stillo. This episode was engineered by Matt Stillo and written by Molly Sosha. A special thanks to our Ruby team at iHeart, including Ethan Fixell, Rachel Swan Krasnoff, Amber Smith, Nakia Swinton, and Andy Kelly. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store.
Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.